Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Tech Talk, this is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll hear how black boxes installed by insurance companies are positively impacting the driving behaviours of our young people. I'll meet the man behind Pure Pharmacy and I've yet another 55-inch TV to give away from Telefunken. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at NT. But as we're all aware, 2023 has been a very dark year on our roads with more than 120 deaths occurring so far. Next week is Irish Road Safety Week and I wanted to look at how technology can and is being used to make our roads that bit safer. Gary McClarty is the MD of MCL Insurance Services Limited and he joins me now. Uh, Gary, you're very welcome to the show. Can you just start by introducing us to the brands underneath that big umbrella? Because not many people may have heard of MCL Services, but I know that people will be aware of your sub-brands. Yeah, MCL InsureTech uh, Limited uh, operates in the Republic of Ireland as uh, under MCL Insurance Ireland Limited and our brands that people would be familiar or familiar with down there would be the uh, It's For Women.ie brand, GetSetGo.ie and our telematics brand, Boximo.ie. And can you just explain, this is another area where I don't know a whole host about, but from a business point of view, what was the thinking behind having sub-brands rather than just being one of the big players in this field? Well, the uh, when we first started back in uh, 2007, rather than try to compete with the major players in the market, like, uh, such as Axa or Aviva, we decided to target to be a bit, bit bit more segmented and that's why we went for the it's for women's ie brand first of all uh, and we thought it would be better to have a larger slice of the female market rather than a smaller slice of the the overall market and it was easier probably to market to two females at the time uh the get set go brand subsequently then was developed we, we, we built the it's for women brand up to about 60 to seventy thousand customers at the time and we decided well, with advertising spend, it was very difficult to push the brand beyond that. That, And that's when we launched GetSetGo.ie. Uh, and that was then our attempt then to tackle the, the more mainstream markets such as Chill, AA uh, and AXA. The, the Boximo brand then, again, is another niche where that was then targeted at the younger driver market from 17 to 25. And that's the best way we thought to do that was using the telematics um, devices that we put into vehicles because that traditionally has been a, uh, you know, we all know that that's traditionally been a, a sector of the market that has had a pretty poor claims experience. So we thought that the only way that we would want to enter that market was was using telematics. Yeah, we're going to talk about telematics in just a second, but uh, can you give us a bit of insight into what varying factors would impact the premiums of the people on the different sub-brands that you have? Uh, well, uh, the, well, the 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 major factors that are going to influence insurance premiums are, are traditionally uh, would be you know your your experience, age, where you live, what sort of car you drive, uh, gender has has been one in the past, but obviously we can't rate on that anymore. Those would be the major ones. Now it's for women by the the name by the nature of the brand name still attracts about eighty percent 
of the customers are are female. So the loss ratio would tend to dictate that uh, the fact that you know, females have traditionally been safer drivers and, you know, the younger drivers, again, it, it, it's, it's just been when people are younger, they do tend to have more accidents and higher frequencies. Uh, and that's why we decided that we'd have a separate brand called Boxumo at the time that would that would target that sector. Yeah, and I know that you have collated data, uh, very extensive data, between uh, 2015 and 2022, looking at the positive influence of the telematics. Can you just explain what exactly telematics entails? Well, what the telematics entails is that we fit a device to a vehicle. Uh, and that's that's a permanently fitted device that we use at the minute, and that goes in, in behind the dashboard. So once that device is fitted to the vehicle, it then sends data to, we use a company called Axon Telematics that that, that uh, manages the system for us. That data is then sent, uh, the data is recorded per second uh, as the vehicle is is driven, and then that data would be sent uh, to Axon, uh, I think it's probably on a nightly basis, and that will include the things that we would monitor would be speed, uh, acceleration events, braking, lateral movement, which is the side-to-side movement of the vehicle, and deacceleration, which is which is braking. Uh, we can also tell by geocoding what sort of roads you're driving on, so motorways, uh, country roads, uh, national roads, and of course, you know what what time of day you tend to be driving, nighttime driving, daytime driving. So we we can capture all of the information basically about how someone someone drives. Uh, once we have all of that information, we can then uh, use uh, basic algorithms. To to find out, you know, to, to rate, uh, to give to give each customer a score uh, based on how safely we think they're driving. And is that number or that score relayed to the consumer? Um, you know, there's an app that I use. It's called My Life. It's an Irish Life Health app. I use it to track my exercise, my diet, all of those bits and pieces. And on a daily basis, it pulls the data that I input alongside the data from my Apple Watch, and it gives me a life score. And I can you see when it goes up and goes down, and I can take actions. So, is that something that you guys do as well in terms of communicating to the driver themselves as to what their score is and why? Uh, where our where our technology is unique in the market is that there are other telematics companies out there that will provide an algorithm, and it's a third party company. But because we do all of this in house, uh, because Axon is the company that we would have a, a shareholding in, we actually then uh, relay all of the claims information. So any claim that we would receive on our telematics, we then relate all of those claims back to how people actually drive. So our algorithms are clever enough to look at what we feel is somebody's propensity to have an accident. So we have all of the details about that accident, you know, what happened, how much it costs, were third parties involved. So we have not just data on how you physically drive, but we have a lot of data on all the crashes that people have had as well. Uh, and that's how we, we know that the frequency comes down as people's scores get higher. So to answer the question, yes, we do. On a monthly basis, everybody will get uh, a score uh, and we will tell them where that score falls into. Is it a, is it a, is it a you know, is it a, you know, if it's a high score, for instance, then there's more chance of getting discount policy is due for renewal. Uh, and then they can log into the portal and they can see all the various events uh, and things that have been triggered, which makes that score up. 
I'm looking at this data here in front of me now. Um, as I said, it's from 2015 to 22. And data from the period shows the overall number of accident claims received by the company has dropped 27%, with claims involving bodily injury specifically dropping by 48%. Findings from the black boxes during the same period also showed that speeding events dropped by a dramatic 72% per policy. Is that something that's directly correlated to the telematics devices? Yeah, well, we believe so, because whenever we started... Uh, that was we started the telematics back in 2013. We were able at that stage we had no data at all, and uh, so that was it, you know it was we were new into the market, and in that first year we knew you know we knew what the frequency was of accidents, uh, and since we started to introduce the box for the first couple of years there wasn't we, we couldn't do very much because all we really had to do was gather data. Um, and today we have about 600 million kilometres of data uh, for Irish drivers on Irish roads. So we have a lot of data. We probably have more data than anybody else in the market. And once we started to receive that data, then we could start to use that data to try and encourage people to drive safer. And I think with and the scoring algorithms then would have became more accurate as we started to receive claims we could then start to overlay the claims into the algorithm. And then that's where we could start to nudge people to, to drive safer. And we brought in speeding alerts. So if people were speeding and uh, we didn't want to be overly uh, to overly intervene in people's driving, you know, people do break the speed limit now and again, and, uh, you know, by a small margin. And we didn't want to be big brother, always watching over people. So it was the case that look, if someone breaks the speed limit once and again, you know, now and again, it wasn't wasn't the end of the world. But we would try and build up a picture if it was persistent, uh, and then those are the sort of things that we would look at, and then we would intervene. So it was all of that intervention we believe over that period of time that has enabled that accident frequency to drop to the degree that it has. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, twenty three has been a very tragic year on our roads with so many lives lost. And I know that the data that you have uh, very much looks at the behaviours of younger drivers. But is this something that you think could be beneficial if it were to be in the cars of drivers regardless of age? Because it's giving more insight into what's actually going on on the roads. Uh, That's a very good question. There's absolutely no doubt it works for younger drivers and I feel as if it should be a mandatory thing that anybody under the age of 25 who is a novice driver should have a device like this fitted to their vehicle to monitor their driving. As far as the rest of the the market is concerned, yeah, there are benefits uh, to it. I do believe it will be something that will slowly creep in um, as electric cars become uh, more normal on the roads and the government's not getting as much revenue from from fuel we might find that they move to a pay as you drive model uh and all vehicles at some stage will use telematics can you just explain a little bit about the privacy side of things because i know that there will already be people with their phones in hands getting ready to text or email in their concerns from a data protection point of view or a data privacy point of view because obviously this technology is tracking uh, what the driver is doing. So how do you strike that balance between uh, data protection, but also getting the insights that make the safety benefits worth it? Well, the box, the box is, and well, when people sign up to the product, there, there's, there's 
there's a lot of um, information what we will be collecting on the website and the customer is obviously aware of that in order to, to give them a score we do have to collect the data uh the, the dash the, the device itself sits behind the, the dashboard of the vehicle it's out of sight so the customers are not aware that it, that it's there it just really works in the background and as i said you know we try not to be too we don't want to intervene all the time sending people text messages about how they drive it's only for those extreme cases where we feel as if there is going to be well and it's really to, to try and inform someone to make a better decision so that hopefully fingers crossed that they will not have an accident and add to the terrible fatalities that we are seeing uh on the irish roads in terms of the data the data when it goes to to axon we it is, it's a voucher that is sent to them um they do not get any of the customer's name and address details that would be stored in our system so it's all anonymized data that goes to them uh, and then it's it's actually then added to the customer's file when it comes back to us. It's mostly anonymized uh, mm. at, the, at the stage of axons. Uh, Derek Riley is often with us previewing or reviewing new electric vehicles and he always talks through the tech that's on board. And one thing that's really struck me is the increase in technology within a car from a safety point of view. So whether that is, you know, driver assist, lane assist, safety warnings and all the rest. Do you think we'll get to the stage where the level of data that's being collated from your um, black boxes will happen automatically within the car without needing that third party device? Or does that get a bit complicated from a data protection point of view with the sharing of information and the consent side of things and all the rest? Uh, yes, I think that, well, as you know, most EVs and modern cars will have some form of telematics devices fitted to them uh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. The, the manufacturers, I think there are data, con data protection concerns around how much uh, information the manufacturers can get from the vehicle and how it's driven. Uh, the, the modern cars also have a lot of crash uh, prevention systems built into them, whether it's automatic braking systems, which which stop you from hitting the vehicle in, in front. But yeah, there, there could always be a case for telematics because sometimes cars probably still will crash. Technology does fail. Mm -hmm. um, and as well as being able to monitor how people drive, it also does give you an awful lot of information in terms of a crash event. Uh, so we know the G-forces and you know it does give you a good indication of what a crash should actually cost to fix in terms of the liability. So there are other benefits from it as well, just to, in addition to being able to monitor how people drive. Yeah, I'm like, I don't drive, right? So that's one element of this. But I like the idea of having this level of data. I am someone who feels better when I have all the information at my fingertips. And I suppose is, is the argument, or not the argument, but the case for this that it doesn't matter if you're the driver yourself, if you're the parent, if you're just a general road user, information is power and it can give you a proper perspective of what's going on the roads, on the roads, rather than, you know, assumptions or presumptions as to who is to blame or who is a responsible driver. Yeah, it does. And I think especially for a parent where when they're 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 teenagers are starting to drive a car for the first time, that's a worrying thing for most parents because we can see the the terrible things that do happen on the road and I suppose the nice thing from having a, a telematics device is that it's an extra 
what would you say, policeman or the police police person in the vehicle that is monitoring how they drives, and the parents can also be can can log in and maybe see how their their their, their kids are actually driving. So, you know, there is there is that aspect to it as well, which which I think also helps bring the the accident frequency down. Mm. And just from a consumer point of view, is there a charge to have one of these devices installed or does it come as part of a plan when you sign up? When you sign up for the the policy, the the cost of the technology is basically included within the price. Well, year on year, we're seeing the take up of the the, uh, telematics. It it, it actually is increasing. And the benefit of it, of course, is that by installing telematics into the vehicle, you will get a cheaper insurance premium. As well as that, it is an individual insurance premium as well. The the traditional a traditional insurance product will be rated on some of the factors I alluded to earlier there in terms of your age and where you live and maybe what your occupation is and what sort of car you drive. And it doesn't take into consideration how you actually drive the vehicle. Mm. So one of the nice things about the telematics is that it does actually take into consideration how you drive the vehicle. So an awful lot of those old static factors which we have been using to underwrite policies in the past may no longer be relevant because you're actually getting information on how the car has been driven. All right, great stuff. Gary McClarty, MCL Insurance Services Limited. Thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thank you, Jess. Now it is time to give you yet another chance to win a 55-inch TV from Telefunken. This is the 55-inch N19, which is a stunning 4K frameless display. Uh, last week's winner was Tomas Ferrin from Kerry. Uh, congratulations. He correctly identified scrubs. But if you want to get your hands on that N19, simply tell me what TV show had this song as its theme tune. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see the troubles are all Text the word TV plus your name and answer to 53106 at a cost of 30 cent and I'll announce the winner on next week's show. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, I'll meet the man behind Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Now, I always know that winter is on the way when I get to chat to the nominees for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Uh, The awards are taking place later in the year. But David Beggs of Pure Pharmacy is one of the nominees in the established category and he joins me now. Uh, David, it's great to have you on the show. Can you just tell me a little bit about what Pure Pharmacy is? Yes, so Pure Pharmacy has been in operation for uh, over 15 years and essentially the North Star in Pure Pharmacy was a realisation that we wanted to bring value to our patients by way of discounting prescription medicines. And how do you go about that? Because it's a problem that anyone with, you know, chronic health conditions or anyone who gets a once off uh, bill of a big prescription knows that the pain points and the expense that can be associated with that. So how do you go about tackling an issue like that? Yeah, so we realized it's uh, it's a it's a fixed cost for our patients every month. So um, and after the the financial crash, it was highlighted that some people were avoiding their medication. Some people weren't getting inhal- expensive inhalers for their children. They were maybe getting them once every three months. So um, I had a had a review of um, the numbers and said, well, 
if we can increase our volume within our stores um, and pass on the discounts to our customers, well, then we may well have a viable business model here, provided the Irish people buy into it and believe in us. And that happened to be the case. And so once you had done that initial bit of work, talk me through the process of making it a reality, because... I suppose a lot of people like to think that these things are overnight successes and the customer buys in from the outset. The the organisations that you're interacting with uh, are all fully on board and fully support every element of it. But I'm sure that there's been some bumps along the way. Yeah, I only wish this was an overnight success. Uh, so it's taken some time. And I guess the turning point for us was whenever we started, one of our customers approached RT and and asked the consumer show to take a look at us. So they came out and did a quick documentary and put it on air. And afterwards, we had to put teams of people into the pharmacy each evening to return the amount of phone calls coming from all around Ireland for people who were ringing up to say, can you price my meds? How much will I save? And people were saving up to 60, 70 euros a month. So uh, it was when I saw the the amount of people who, who had called in instantly um, and then also the response from the staff within the group who were super motivated by passing on all this positivity that said, right, well, look, we're on to something now. That's our North Star. Let's try and work from here out. To get that to 25 stores, it's just been a lot of hard work, but thankfully the communities within which we are going into have, have responded well and continue to respond well and that's what gives us the belief and the drive to just keep going. And the 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 what? Who are the people that would interact with you most? Is it people who would have ongoing chronic health conditions that require monthly prescriptions? Um, and how ultimately do they benefit? So initially, yeah, the influx was from people who were on polypharmacy, uh, which is another term for multiple meds, and uh, if they. If they're on three, four, five meds per month, you know, we would sell uh, some meds like Simvastatin or is four euros with us and it may well be 12, 13, 14 elsewhere. Uh, aspirin similarly is four euros with us. So whenever they rang in and they they priced their, their meds, they would see what they would save. But it doesn't just end there because it's a kind of a positive vibe coming out of the group and the the high motivation levels of the staff where we see an uplift in in people on one one item one prescription item per month right through to those on polypharmacy and a complete range of age groups yeah i do think it's something that uh, unless it's it's something you encounter every day you probably don't realize not only the admin side of things, but also the cost as well. And it can make a huge difference. Uh, talk to me a little bit about just your own entrepreneurial hat, because coming up with an idea is one thing. Making it a reality is something very different. Was your motivation purely business or was it that you realised you could actually make a difference here to the people that uh, walk through the door of their local pharmacy? I think initially, you know, it was certainly business driven. There was a younger version of me Um, I was, you know, I just turned 30 and I needed the numbers to work and I was full of drive. But mm-hmm. um, upon reflection, when I try and look at my why, it's probably because the moral compass is pointing the right way, you know, of 
of all of our prescription output per year, we dispense to private patients over a million prescriptions per year. So all of those people on that in that million cohort are saving money. So if Pure didn't exist, the Irish people of that million would have to pay a lot more elsewhere. And I guess that has become it. It has only become evident that that's the driver. And mm-hmm. um, whilst yes, business has to work, people have to make profit, and it has to make sense. It gets bigger than that, you know, and and maybe it takes a little bit of grey hair and a bit of maturity for you to realise that as well. Yeah, but I think it's nice to be able to sit back and realise that there there was more than one thing at play. And as you said, very often that just comes with age, experience and time under your belt. Um, I'm on the website here, purepharmacy.ie, and I'm just having a look at the different online services that you offer. Um, how important is it to have the online element as well as your 25 stores around the country? It's... Look, it, it has to exist. It's not it's not the key driver for our business. That's largely to do with the fact that we are uh, very focused on the dispensary medication and the regulations around that with online are tricky. Um, so, yes, it has to be present. But our future, we're actually launching a new website within the next four to six weeks. And our future growth and where we see this this being a massive part of people's healthcare journey is basically a services-led um, ally to basically be the digital transformation for people's healthcare. Mm. And that stemmed actually from uh, the CEO retreat in Singapore when we my mind was just blown away. Um, and I, I kind of said, well, look, where is the future of all of this? And, and what does the future look like? And for Pure Pharmacy, whilst there is a retail element to the online, it's more to be the digital ally of being your healthcare partner. Yeah, and something that we spoke to uh, Martin Curley, the former uh, CIO of the HSE about a few months ago now was, I suppose, how digital transformation can work with people and for people as a preventative healthcare tool. And the pharmacy is a big part of that as well. You know, being able to go in and ask questions, getting the expert advice and making informed decisions really can make a difference. Um, also on your website here, I see Gene Check. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so during the um, <clears throat> the COVID pandemic, I, I made an observation that no two people reacted the same way to the COVID vaccine. Mm. And uh, I I said, I, I need to have a look at why these 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 interactions are different and after some deep analysis on papers stemming from 2012 onwards from a Dutch consortium I realized that there's an identified drug gene list of medications which basically if you have certain pairs then then you're more likely to have side effects or the drugs may not work as well for you so um when I got everything together, I said, well, like, I need to sense check this. So I reached out to Professor David McConnell, who had helped, he had headed up the genetics department in Trinity for many years. And I asked him to sense check what I was doing. And he said, no, you're completely on it. So he has acted as an advisor alongside myself. And we've spoken to labs across the world and identified a leading lab within Europe who allows us to perform this test within the pharmacies. And basically what we're testing for is to make sure that you're on the meds that suit you and it's essentially personalised medication. Mm. 
Yeah, it's so fascinating. I've spoken to Professor Luke O'Neill about stuff like this. And I think as uh, more personalised, not only medication, but just more personalised understanding that not no two patients are the same. No two treatment plans can be the same because everybody's lifestyle factors, DNA, everything is so unique. Uh, so it's great to see more innovation going on in this space. Um, you are nominated uh, as one of the EY Entrepreneur of the Year uh, finalists. What does recognition like that mean, particularly when your business has been so well established and continue to grow over time? Does acknowledgement like this matter? So when you say so well established, the brand Pure Pharmacy is well established, but the face behind the brand uh, I myself was very much anonymous until this EY program. And um, that, that I guess, was a, a leap of faith to say, well, you know, w- when somebody had nominated me, should should I do this? And it was a little bit daunting stepping from behind the, the curtain as such. But um, I guess, you know, you're on the tools all the time. And for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, well done, um, you should enter this program because we want to recognize what you've done. Ultimately, it's a positive and it's a nice thing to experience. The program is extensive. Uh, You get to meet other entrepreneurs who are at varying stages of their journey, as well as the alumni network. How have you found being part of the program and connecting with those peers? It launched with an absolute bang. You you know, the announcement is on, say, a Thursday and you're meeting the finalists the, the next day. So, you know, it's high high energy, really driven people, growth mindset right across the room, cross-pollination of different networks, different uh, business ideas, and it's just been epic. It's credit DIY for the absolute monster that it is. You know, at no point... Is there a, is there downtime within the year? Mm-hmm. Um, only it was only last week when we had meet the judges, and to be honest, it kind of it it, it encouraged you to do a little bit of self reflection on both yourself and your business, and ask, well, what can I do better? And that for me has been the most important part because it can be quite lonely in the entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. and you're you know you're just you're tearing away, you're hoping you're doing the right things, but to get into that kind of um, cohort and share ideas and sense check some stuff it, it's uh, very refreshing well look best of luck uh as the i don't want to call it the competition but as the process continues it is one of my favorite events of the year because i think i do think it shines a spotlight on the individuals behind some of the best and most exciting brands in ireland who often don't get the attention and acknowledgement they deserve uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for joining us here on news talk thanks so much take care now, coming up after seven here on News Talk, we're bringing you a special program in partnership with the Shona Project, which is an organization that empowers young girls and women here in Ireland. I sat down earlier in the week with three young women, their age 17 and 18, and they gave me a bit of insight into what it's like to be a girl in 2023. The full conversation is fascinating. I loved every single second of it. Uh, as I said, it will be played in full at seven o'clock this evening. But here's just a snippet of what you can expect. I think social media is all about other people and, you know, celebrities and like 
influences and it like it it changes your like your train of thought of yourself where now you have a perception of like this image of everybody else and you put that onto yourself even if that's not the type of person that you are and I think social media also like it you forget what your like your purpose really is in the world and it's it's not all about having hundreds and thousands of followers or you know looking a certain way or looking a certain way in a bikini and I think going back to the point that you said about the cyberbullying I think even the people who do the cyberbullying have definitely don't have confidence in themselves because they have to hide behind a screen to make other people feel as bad as they do in, in like inside but if you really step back from it and you think oh well just because this certain person thinks that this is right is is that true does that really work in my environment? Does that work with the type of people that I, you know, I'm in school with, my peers? Um, so I think it's all about influence. People are influenced in so many different ways, not just about clothes and like high end things. It's also about the right and the wrong. You can see how quickly people turn when there's a news article or like something on TikTok about this person said this and did this when really all they have to do is go research it or go talk about it with someone and then they would really know like maybe that isn't true maybe I shouldn't just follow the crowd that think that this is happening so yeah I definitely think that social media plays a big part. That is our special program in partnership with the Shona Project which is empowering young girls and young women here in Ireland. You can hear that show in full on News Talk this evening at 7pm or if you're heading out and about uh, you can find it up on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. Just search for Soundscapes. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, uh, in a little while, coming up after this programme, will be screen time with John Fardy. John, how are you? The radio event of the week. I'm very well. <laughs> you always make me cringe within like three seconds. Yeah. Uh, what's on the show this week? So, uh, John Carney, the man who gave us Once and Sing Street and, of course, Bachelor's Walk, is back with a new classic John Carney movie, Flora and Son, all about uh, Eve Hewson playing this mother who's trying to reconnect with her son who gets guitar lessons online from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's a delightful kind of musical fairy tale. So I'm talking to him about that. Ken Loach's last movie is in the cinemas this weekend called The Old Like Old Oak and I'm talking to his long-term screenwriter Paul Lafferty and we're also reviewing a new erotic thriller called Fair Play which is very good so a busy show but a good show Right. Uh, the Eve Hewson thing, is that the one that was filmed here in Dublin? Oh yes, it's very much in Dublin, yeah. Most most John Carney movies are. It's delightful. Is it? And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, oh, he's just brilliant in it. She's great in it as well. I really, really enjoy it. Jack Rayner has a small supporting role in it. He's hilarious. John Carney's movies are always about music possibly saving people and romance. So some people might accuse him of doing the same thing or trying to do the same mm. painting every... But I just think they're delightful. They really are, you know. Yeah, I think there is something nice and comforting knowing what you're going to get when you go to see a, a movie of a certain director or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And Eve Houston is brilliant, and it's interesting, you know, that she's 
she wants to sing in a movie because for a long time, I imagine the last thing she wanted to do, given her family background, was being singing. But she's a great voice. In it. She's a brilliant actress. Eve Houston is such a great actress. She's so good in Bad Sisters. Oh, like she's she's a weapon, but and I love she's her. She's incredibly versatile. That's the thing. She she just has presence. She has acting presence. There's nothing forced. You never see her acting. You can't say that about a lot of people. She's brilliant. She has so far to go. Yeah. I sound like her dad, but I just mean... The future's unwritten with her. She could do anything in terms of acting. Like, she's going to win Oscars down the road. Well, speaking of her dad, do you see what I did there, chicken? Yeah. He's so annoyed at me. It's so exciting. No, I'm just really jealous. I think it sounds amazing. Well, let me tell everybody. I am going to Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States of America, because uh, Eve Houston's dad is starting a residency with his few friends uh, in this little band they've put together called U2. They're performing at The Sphere, which is a brand new theatre. And it's kind of like if you chopped a tennis ball in half, it's kind of like domey-like. And uh, if you haven't seen the pictures of it already, head over to Instagram and search for The Sphere Las Vegas. It looks stunning. And I am so excited to get to see the band. I'm so excited to see the technology that's in use. Because I, I, did you go to their last tour, the um, Innocence and Experience yes, tour? Yes, and it was brilliant. And the, the tech on display with the... But that's it though. Yeah. The audiovisual stuff is yeah. always... It's yeah. Like even back from the Zoo TV stuff, my sister used to have a VHS. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Very uh, well. Recorded from uh, RTE2 and it had the Zoo TV like performance that was baffling back then I know they take stagecraft so seriously and I'm not sure if there's anyone better in it so let me get this right this is their first of the shows isn't it of the Las Vegas residency so you're going to see this yeah that's incredible because I think that's going to be a brilliant show because they're not going to walk on testing they're going to have that ready to rock so oh I'm so jealous and Vegas I I know know. you've been I've only been once but you just go there and you're like I'm just here to enjoy myself Mm. there is nothing else I need to do other than enjoy myself I was there as part of my honeymoon and we just had the best time ever if you suspend this is the weirdest place in the world I think some philosopher once said it only exists to convince the America the rest of America exists yeah it's that weird a place but it's a brilliant place it I, really is I normally go every year because of CES I've only ever been there for work and I love it because and this is a real Jess Kelly reason to love somewhere you Norm- just refer to yourself in the third person there watch out folks <laughs> Correct. Uh, no, because normally if I'm working over there, I have to get up at two o'clock in the morning to talk to Pat Kenny, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. There is no better place to be waddling around at three o'clock in the morning than a casino in Las Vegas. Now, I don't gamble or dabble or anything like that. Jess Kelly doesn't gamble, as she might say herself. Jess Kelly doesn't do that, but Jess Kelly loves going around people watching. Like, she absolutely loves it. And it's so much fun. So I'm having like a pinch me, is this my real life? Is this my real job? How am I getting away with this I'm, moment? I'm very jealous. But I need to tag you in here. Okay. Because I have, I think it's like an eight hour flight to Chicago. Yeah. I have a two hour layover and then I have a four hour flight to Las Vegas. Okay. What am I going to watch? I would suggest Flora and Son would be a good one on Apple TV. I think that's perfect flying material. The last long haul flight I did was <laughs> John Fardy also likes to travel. No, I was coming back from Singapore earlier in the year and someone had mentioned it to me, but it happened to be on, because they've so much stuff on these flights now, uh, Colin from Accounts, this Australian dramedy, it's mostly a comedy about mm. this 
guy who meets a girl having given her a ride away because she flashes her breast at him. He, she flashes her breast after he lets her cross the road in front of him and they hit a dog and they have to start caring for this dog together. It's absolutely hilarious and lovely. And I watched the whole thing. I think it's eight episodes and they're short. It was delightful viewing on a plane, I found. Uh, Do you like laughing out on a plane? Because there's nothing that annoys me more and maybe this is because Jess Kelly is a crank. But uh, you know when you're on a plane and somebody is like breaking their heart laughing? I don't want to be that person. I have a funnier story on the same flight. I stopped watching Colin from Accounts at about four in the morning because there's a big time difference to listen to the audio commentary of Everton playing Wolves, right? We're somewhere over the uh, the Gulf of Amman, right? And I'm the only person I assume listening to this. And in the 99th minute, Everton score an essential goal. Oh, did you scream? I stood up and screamed. <laughs> And I thought they were going to ground the plane. <laughs> you see, I was sad that you weren't coming on this trip and now I'm Maybe delighted that you're not Maybe coming on this trip. Uh, if there's any other recommendations of stuff I should watch, because obviously I'll be flying home as well on Sunday night. Uh, so please do email techtalk at newstalk.com. Uh, John, as I said, will be here just after six o'clock with screen time. But for the moment, thank you so much. Thank you. We are doing our book club next week. It came around very, very quickly. We are going to be talking about Foe by Ian Reid. Uh, that was the book picked by Kira Tracy. Uh, Kira and Cameron Hill from Off the Ball will join me next week. We will talk through the book. If you've been reading along, please do send your uh, thoughts. You can voice note them to me and send them to techtalk at newstalk.com. Or if you have any questions or feelings that you'd like to share with the book club, you can send them all to that email address. But we will have our book club panel in studio next week to review Foe by Ian Reid. Now I want to give you another chance to win that N19 55 inch TV from Telefunk and this is a stunning television. If you haven't already you can head on over to YouTube search for Tech Bytes, and you will see my full review there. But if you want to get your hands on one simply tell me what TV show had this as its theme tune. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name Troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Text the word TV plus your name and answer to 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. And that's it from me this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. I'll be back with Pat Kenny on Tuesday morning. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name.